Flawcast number 98, Hobson's Choice. No people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can any be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. On the contrary, when people are universally ignorant and debauch their manners, they will shrink under their own weight without the aid of any foreign invaders. Samuel Adams. Flawcast. Get in the arena. Hey everybody, welcome to another fun-filled, triggering episode of Flawcast. As I stare across the room, look at Carl, I can tell he's both barrels are loaded and he's... he's the smoke's coming out of the ears already. He's he's already been pondering life and love and and liberty this morning and we've... (laughs) I've been chomping at the bit and I couldn't wait to get here, so let's get this show on the road. Alright, so with that being said, I want to, once again, welcome and thank everybody. Make sure you subscribe and share. Please share. Uh, We've been getting really good feedback since uh, we've kind of updated the format we need you guys to share if you enjoy what we're doing or if there's things that we've said that have made a difference in your life please share this just copy the link let people know or just even word of mouth we really need that we're being shadow banned on a couple of the different platforms and that's okay you expect that but we are definitely in agreement that when we share this stuff when we come together that these are things that the almighty is wanting not just for us to know but for you guys as well so you can find us anywhere podcast our flawcast flawcast cle we're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Breaker, on Rumble, sort of on YouTube. I just saw today that, that, or I'm sorry, yesterday that three more of our episodes were removed and they didn't even notify me. I think really they are our biggest fan because you know they have to be listening to every podcast that's been done and waiting excitedly for the next one to come out and so i know we have their attention and i know they're listening to us um skynet's taking over soon but anyway um flooding make sure you follow us on all the project mockingbird social media facebook twitter instagram parlor gab and MeWe. my book smith's heart of man repair manual is out there i have a bunch that i'm able to sign personalized. Christmas is coming up. It'll be a great addition for that. I just actually got an interview this week on Voyage Ohio magazine where I get to promote a little bit. So I want to give a shout out to the people at Voyage Ohio for that interview. Uh, Jessica Ramirez interviewed me. Check that out. And that being said, as our custom, do the Pledge of Allegiance. So take your right hand, put it over your left heart, and repeat with us. I I pledge pledge allegiance allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so we're going to be talking about a Hobson's choice. Have you ever heard of this terminology or this definition before, Carl? Uh, No, actually, it slipped through all of my research from the past, and I was interested when you sent this to me, and as I read it, I learned quite a bit. Well, one of the things that we love doing is educating people and and giving people a little bit of tidbits of history and nomenclature that maybe you didn't know before. Uh, So a Hobson's choice, I'll get into the Webster-Marion definition, but the long and short of it is when you're presented with an option and the bottom line is take it or leave it, which ultimately is really no option at all. No. Or at best, it's a horrible option. It's, it really should be changed into like it or hate it. 
<laughs> because it's like, this is the way it's going to be. And really, there is no choice. Right. It's like, okay, you're getting a pinky cut off. You want your left or your right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the definition in the dictionary says this. And apparently free choice when there is no real alternative. The necessity of accepting one or two or more equally objectable alternatives. A Hobson's choice is a free choice in which only one thing is actually offered. The term is used to mean an illusion of choice. The most well-known Hobson's choice is take it or leave it. The phrase is said to have been originated with Thomas Hobson, who lived from 1544 to 1631, a livery stable owner in Cambridge, England, who offered customers the choice of either taking the horse in the stall nearest to the door or taking none at all. It makes it really easy right. when you walk in and you're like, is this one mine or is it the one to the right? And the guy says, no, you either take this one or you get out of you get out of here. Whether it's yours or not. <laughs> like, how did he stay in business? Uh, I don't know. He Apparently, he coined the phrase and, you know. So, my girlfriend and I, we went on vacation a couple of weeks ago. We went to Colonial Williamsburg. And while I was there, we were there, we went to Jamestown Settlement and then went to Yorkstown where the deciding battle in the Revolutionary War was fought. And it's right there on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay, it, it is God's country. Like, remove all the concrete and asphalt and you can see how these people thought they found in New Jerusalem when they went there. Larger point, anyone who's listened to this podcast for any amount of time will know I'm a huge fan of history. I love the Revolution period. The Reconstruction period is another one of my favorites in American history, but I have such admiration for gentlemen like Patrick Henry and John Adams, Samuel Adams, his brother, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, George Washington, you know, whomever. The list goes on and on. But there was something that very sovereignly hit me while we were there. And there, you know, you can go to the battlefield and there's a hollowedness. Like I was, I was telling Carl when we got back, there's a reverence and a hollowedness that men gave their last act of devotion. So that you and I, if you're listening to this in America, so that you and I can partake of the most successful experiment in self-governance and liberty the world's ever known. And that was directly inspired and given by the Almighty. His hand of providence was all throughout the founding of this country. And we were walking through the Revolutionary War Museum, and it, it like, hit me. I was verklempt the whole time. I was holding back tears, seeing the sacrifices of and, and the words of these great men and women. And if you ever get a chance to come to Flawcast World Headquarters, you'll know that right above the desk I sit, there's a framed copy of the Declaration of Independence. And I look at that thing and it makes me feel emboldened. But the ultimate point, getting back to a Hobson's choice is where we're coming at is this. As we walked there, they had like a mock settlement of, you know, we'll call the guy Bob. Bob Johnson's farm was there and they mm -hmm. had a little house where he and his family, literally like, you know, the whole tiny house movements like a sure. thing like some of these tiny houses you see put this to shame i mean they're like 50 square feet right and they got right. you got 98 kids you know yeah. and but you know and then they had their workshop in this particular encampment was uh the tobacco farmer and you saw that how they processed tobacco and this overwhelming thought came to me you know, if you look at the average guy that maybe had a 20, 25 acre tobacco farm, just very middle class, maybe lower middle class, if you will, kind of like most of us listening to this, I'd guess. And, you know, the whole process of growing tobacco, which, as you know, I'm a cigar aficionado. I'm a great respecter of this process. So I try to learn as much as I could. Sure. And they actually start growing the tobacco in January. And the painstaking care it takes to produce this crop is amazing. But the one thing that I learned is that during this time and whether these men 
join the colonial army, whether they joined the militia to take up arms and stand in defiance of King George and the, his tyranny. These men, you know, Farmer Johnson left his wife, his kids. Now, if he had sons that were like 12 and older, they went with him. They didn't have a choice. They no, went with him. That's right. But they didn't have a way to defend themselves. They didn't have a way to make money. Literally, the average John Q. Public, Farmer Johnson, sacrificed everything he had. Possibly went away up to, to a period of six years or more. Fought in palatious conditions. You know, if the militia was actually a little better taken care of in some regards than the colonial army. And people talk about, oh, COVID this, COVID that. But George Washington led the colonial army during a smallpox outbreak. That's right. You know, they, these guys didn't have shoes. That's right. They had... In winter. Yes. In winter, no shoes. You know, very, very thin garments to wear to keep themselves. And they were fighting, at that time, the world's superpower. At the time, the sun did not set on the British Empire because they were all over the world. And a ragtag group of people fought the predominant evil of their day to gain freedom. This isn't anything new if you listen to our podcast to talk about this, but the new angle, we're going to go back to Hobson's choice, is this. When Farmer Johnson is confronted literally with the choice he had, which is really no choice, to continue to live under the brutality of tyranny that King George and the British army, the English nation, was levying against them, or say no. Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of change? and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but for me, give me liberty or give me death, to quote Patrick Henry there. Um, but it hit me. You know, I look up to guys like Tucker Carlson and, and Carl Tuckerson and, and, and Alex Jones. I, I love Alex Jones. I love InfoWars. And in my opinion, the best, most accurate news source in the world. But I look through these guys, I'm like, man, I'm not doing anything. You know, we have our podcast and we reach a couple hundred people and, you know, look at these guys. And then it you know, it really just hit me. I really believe as we were walking through this encampment, God spoke to me. He's like, you're doing what I've called you to do. Yeah. And unless Farmer Johnson left everything, literally everything, and left it defenseless. It wasn't like they had a lot of money in the bank that they could, you know, live off of whatever. Literally left everything. If, if Farmer Johnson and, and other Farmer Johnsons, whomever at that time, went and supported Washington in that fight, we wouldn't be where we're at. No, and I think the thing, if I may just interject, absolutely, it's so easy for us now to read the end of the story and know about the great victory. But when you take people that were in that period of time and they made that decision, all odds said we're going to lose. Badly. Badly. Yeah. Okay. When they evaluated the cost to stand up. And not really fight against something, but stand for something. The mentality was, I don't care if I lose everything because you're going to take it from me anyway. And if I am going to lose what I have, I am going to lose it my way. Yeah. You're not coming in. You're not taking my stuff. This is what I've worked for. This is what I've sacrificed for. This is what I've given everything for. And how dare you think that you're going to make a declaration that you're going to come in and keep taking my stuff. And I really believe that when those men went out and left their children and left their property, they had decided enough is enough. If we're going to lose our stuff anyway, then we're going to lose it the way we decide to lose it. And we're going to take a stand and we're going to fight against you. But keep this in mind, the whole world laughed at their resistance. 
England laughed. The military laughed. King George looked at that rising as a cockroach that he was going to squash with his foot. But these people weren't going to let their stuff be taken. They were going to defend it. And if it was going to be lost, it was going to be on their terms. And I just wanted to bring that because you're doing a wonderful job describing the situation. But I had that overpowering thought that said they didn't know they were going to win. Like we know now because we can read and we know and here we are. But those men had no idea that what they were doing was going to result in a victory and they fought anyway. What's interesting about that, you know, we 200 plus years now, like you said, we had the advantage of hindsight and you're absolutely right. The absolute despotism of the tyranny of England at that point was, it was like people look at the Declaration of Independence. There's a couple of things that they really need to take a look at. The two most grievous things that I'm understanding is taxation without representation and the fact that they were not allowed to worship as they chose. In the colonies, people were taxed, you know, there's the stamp tax, the tea tax, all these BS taxes. And piggyback what you're saying, it's like, my family's going to starve to death. That's not a choice. It's the Hobson's choice. Yeah, right. Take it or leave it. No. Exactly. So <laughs> when you talk about King George and his edicts or his decrees, you know, the modern equivalent of that is mandates. Yeah, right. Um, Which somebody told me yesterday that a mandate is not a government law, but it's no. two guys that go out and have dinner together. So it's like, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. I guess that is a mandate. Yeah. But. Well, even starting from the Magna Carta, anything that is a law in a republic and a d- democracy has to be proposed, has to be brought up to a legislating body, has to be voted and passed by a majority and then put into place. None of that's happened, whether, no. it, be, whether it be the mass mandates or now, as we're recording this, OSHA has now implemented that if you are a business of 100 or more, every employee has to be vaccinated. And the one comment I get a lot is, you guys are talking about the vaccines again. And I got to be honest, I don't want to talk about the vaccines. Carl and I, you know, we both have backgrounds in Bible school, Bible college, and we have a love and a passion to talk about the wonders of the Almighty and what he has done. And even just like as men talk about stuff, men do, like there's a billion and one topics we could talk about, but the reason this is pressing And I've had some hard conversations this week with people since this came out. This is the evil of our hour. You know, you can look at Farmer Johnson back then deciding as he's watching his four or five kids and his wife literally starving to death because all the money that he's making on his 25-acre tobacco farm is being taxed out the wazoo. You can look at 1930s Poland or 1930s Europe and see the absolute segregation and discrimination of one particular class of people and then the ultimate dehumanization humanization of that group and you see those things happening now and the popular nomenclature amongst people in the circles at least i and i believe carl travels in is man if i lived back then i wouldn't have allowed blah 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 well the hour of history you are living in you are confronting and we've talked about this in our last couple episodes the spirit and the man the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist is here. That's what you're fighting. Now, King George and Hitler and Mussolini, whomever, these guys were influenced and filled by the spirit of the Antichrist, yes. but we were not in a prophetic time frame for a lot of the prophecies of the scripture to come to pass. However, we are literally seeing those eschatological promises, if you will, happening on a daily basis. Yeah. The can has been kicked down the road from that time period because those acts were totally 100% 
permanent destruction of every single Jewish person on this earth. We've now progressed and evolved to where this is the road that has been paved. As we said, prepare the way in the wilderness for the king. This is where we are. The road is paved. And now we will proclaim the great and good news of God's word. And we will not do what I know a lot of churches do, shy away from cultural relative content. I'm not going to do that. That we, isn't we who aren't, I, we, we, aren't yeah, we are not going to do that. This podcast is not going to do that. And let me explain something to you. I love peace. I'm a peaceful person. I search for peace. I establish peace. God is a God of peace. But don't shove something in my face and think that I will remain silent if I'm standing for good. If I am standing for God's righteousness, if I'm standing for the kingdom of God, I'm the last person that you want to tell, take it or leave it. And I know you have a story you want to share, and I wanted you to get into that, but I just want to piggyback, you know, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. That's what the Bible says. But also we need to realize in, in Ecclesiastes 3, you know, it says there's a time for every purpose under heaven, a time for peace and a time for war. Jesus himself, one of the last things he's told his disciples, if you don't have a sword, sell your extra cloak and buy one. I, nor Carl, call me for any kind of violence. And I've said this, you can go back. Once things turn violent, once things go kinetically in that direction, we lose. We are at a place now, and I love seeing these. I just had a friend send me a video the other day about this stadium, and I believe it was in England, and they were chanting, F Joe Biden. Wow. The guy put a cell phone out just at the stadium. It was packed, and you could feel it through the cell phone, the reverberance of it. You know, the whole, let's go, Brandon. And these are humorous things, but this is the idea of civil disobedience, which on the podcast, we've been talking about that peaceful protest. This is the path we need to go to and pray that it doesn't go kinetic. You know, there's so much this OSHA thing this week, and now they just approved these Frankenshots for five and up. I'm sorry, folks. We are literally facing this, and I've said this before, this globalist, Luciferian, eugenics-based death cult that is trying to kill as many people as it can, which is all part of the, what the Antichrist and his spirit does throughout the eschatological books of the scripture. So when you're being confronted with a choice, and I know you're going to tell a story about one of your children. Yes. When you're confronted with a choice of somebody is going to perpetrate harm or somebody is going to do something to your children that are going to forever affect them as a parent, whether it be the government, whether it be a religious leader, whether it be a civil servant, whatever. Do you or do you not allow them to do that? Any, any parent of a child will fight more to protect their child than they will to protect their self. And any parent that is out there listening knows what I'm talking about. There are things that are off the chart for discussion, and that is someone else harming your children. That is not up for discussion. That is not a Hobson's choice. That is not a take it or leave it. And so I was watching pre-discussion for the Virginia governor election, and <laughs> um, two months ago, it was a conclusion that was drawn that Yunkin had no chance. 
chance that McAuliffe, the Democrat candidate, was going to win and that that was what all the polls were showing and that that's what all the media outlets were saying. And I saw about a month ago a Chinese immigrant. She grew up in China and she grew up in communism and she has children in Virginia school system. And I saw a, she defined herself as this, this other woman, a Muslim liberal Democrat. But more than that, she called herself a mother. And when I saw these two women, this was a month ago, holding a public forum, uniting together with parents, leading a coalition of mothers, they called it Mama Bear Movement. (laughs) When I heard this Chinese immigrant mother talking and this Muslim liberal Democrat that she had declared herself saying that you woke Mama Bear because we now know what's happening with you coming against our children through your curriculum and through your mandates and through your rules and you won't listen to us. Once I saw that movement, I predicted that Yonkin was going to win and he would upset McAuliffe and people laughed at me. People said you're crazy, but I'll tell you why I knew, Bill. When my daughter was 15 months old, her mother went into early labor with my son and she was only three and a half months pregnant and we got rushed to the hospital thinking it was just Braxton Hicks labor pains but as the time went on we realized that it was much more severe and they were getting ready to fly her to Rainbow Babies and Children and she was in labor from that night until she gave birth which was a month early. She had to take two shots a week to control the muscle that caused the labor pains and she was bedridden, couldn't do anything. I was at that time the most non-nurturing human being you ever knew. All of a sudden I am giving my daughter baths. I am getting up in the middle of the night now because my wife could not do that. She could not get up because any movement at all was going to cause her to give birth. And at that time, that was not going to happen with the success to have my son be born alive. And who, by the way, is doing fine today is a miracle. We made it through the pregnancy together. But what I realized when I went from non-nurturing to providing paternal nurture to my daughter was that I was the one changing the diapers. I was the one giving the baths. I was the one being thrown up on. I was the one investing my time and my energy and giving up my sleep for my baby girl. And something happened during that time period, and I began to evolve and change. I see you want to say something. I get this a lot. I've never seen this movie, but I get this a lot. Were you like the Grinch, and like I guess his heart grows or something? No, I was like... (laughs) I was like, um, I hope I wasn't that ugly and stunk that bad, but I was more like the baby's crying. I'm running a business. Can you handle this? I was like, the baby needs changed. I got to go cut the grass. Can you handle this? I was more like, this is your role as a mother because you have these like internal instincts for nurture. And really, I think now because I'm much older and I look back, I was just pawning that responsibility off on her because I was an egotistical male caveman type, you know, young at that age. Yeah. Like woman, baby, and I handle man stuff. And all of a sudden, when that time period happened, I gave everything Mm. to my daughter. And I remembered that time period when I saw these two mothers. And I knew because authority from government is egotistical, arrogant, conceited, oozing authority. And they have no investment 
in children. The parents do. The parents are the ones that sacrificed. And so because I sacrificed and I was personally invested in my daughter, I developed this almost mama bear mentality that says, how dare you come in and try and take what I have given years of personal investment into this child. This is my child. What happened in Virginia was these mothers rose up, Bill, and they united and they put their differences aside and they had one common goal and they had one common thread that tied them together and that was our children. You will not take the minds of our children. You will not teach what you want to teach to our children. You will not teach them to accept a label that is put on them and that this is what they are. How dare you take my child? I am personally invested. And I would just say this. I could go on, but there's no need. People better start recognizing what matters to them personally. They better start. Say say that again. Say that again. That's important. People better recognize what matters to you personally. What are you personally invested in? What have you personally sacrificed? What have you given your all to? What have you labored for that somebody thinks that they are going to come in and make a declaration to you that that thing that you have sweat equity in and love for and passion for, and you're going to just allow that to be taken away from you? How dare anyone think that what I have sweat equity in and love and passion for, and that I have sacrificed for, that you're going to arrogantly make a declaration to me, and I'm going to Hobson's Choice accept it, take it or leave it? No, I'm the wrong guy for that. You know, it's weird as you're saying this. What comes to my mind is Moloch, which is the god that Jezebel and Ahab sacrificed to. It was one of the major gods throughout the Babylonian religion back then. Uh, And you can read even now, it was Owl. And you can find that thing. Oh, that's in New York right now and all over. It was Epstein Island. uh, Yeah. yeah. So that's God Moloch that people sacrifice children to. And I'm sorry, a five-year-old's still a child. Well, heck, I've heard that a 21-year-old young man is still a child well, <laughs> in his mentality. I, I, I was that guy. Yeah, well, I was gonna, exactly. Yeah, yeah, a, I was five, yeah a five-year-old is a child. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm in my early 40s. I feel like I'm just starting. Heck, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, larger point being is that it's always a spiritual thing. They're trying to kill our children, and you're right. You need to know what is important to you. And in that, you need to know where that line, not the line in the sand, because sand is like, you know, that shifts that the wind blows that. That's like feelings. You need to know what your conscience will and will not allow. In the violation of your conscience, in my mind, is one of the most irreverent, blatantly disrespectful things you can do the Almighty. It's, to me, it's almost like blaspheming the Holy Spirit. We need to know that right now where we're at, this is the reality. I don't disagree with your analysis in Virginia. One thing I would say is I hope people keep that up. I didn't vote this week because I don't see any point. Sure. They stole it in California again. And even right now. How did it go in New Jersey? Magically, they found 40,000 votes. And and if I'm sorry. I don't want to be disrespectful. But if you can't see the pattern that happened when Trump had the election stolen, when Larry Elders had the election stolen in California, a couple months ago and now in New Jersey it's the same pattern people you need to wake up now Ben Franklin there's an interesting story that after the Constitutional Convention someone came
came up to Ben Franklin and said, hey, Dr. Franklin, what is it, a, a democracy or a republic? And he said, well, it's a republic if you can keep it. Yes. One thing we need to keep in mind, and we're going to try to shift here into the scriptural aspect, is that the kingdom of heaven is neither. Right. The kingdom of heaven is God's domain. What he says goes, right? And I'm totally cool with that because he has way better judgment and mercy and love than I do anyway. But what we have to start to focus, when you talk about this story, when you share about these women who were oil and vinegar. Oil and vinegar. They had a unifying line in their their conscience would not allow them to cross, which is the sanctity of the purity, not allowing their children to be molested, whether it be through the pornography that you can find all throughout America's elementary and high schools, whether it be these frankenshots that are going to start to be administered. There's an old, I, I believe it's an Islamic proverb, but it still applies. One man defending his house is more valuable than a hundred hired warriors. So that's one, right. And this is where we're at. All right, so let's bring in the scriptural aspect of it and. The important thing to keep in mind is that the Project Mockingbird media, the mainstream media, Fox, CNN, all of them are going to let you think that you are the minority, that nobody else believes like you do. Nobody believes in the precepts of the Almighty, that nobody believes in truth, justice, and the American way. And certainly since DC Comics have written that belief system out of the Superman universe, which, God, no idea how that can be, we are now being bruised that we are solitaire and that's a psychological operation we're not alone if you're listening to this i know that you are filled with the same fire and passion that we are and keeping this in mind we're going to be talking about king david and his mighty men and this is a weird interesting period in david's life where he knew he was anointed to be the king of israel there was a king of israel who was a madman and uh you know he had proven himself in every way possible and many people looked to him as the leader of Israel over the king in regards, but he was banished, he was exiled, he left, if you will. And with him, he had a small group that we call David's Mighty Men. And these guys were like badass. There is a couple of scriptures I want Carl to read just to kind of emphasize the badassery of these guys. And we're going to get into another aspect, but go, go ahead and read that if you yeah, can. I'm going to read verse 20. This is my favorite of his guard. I mean, because this is some kind of valiance right here. This, this guy must have elephant-sized stones that he's carrying around in his loincloth. I mean, this guy <laughs> is the kind of guy that takes Rambo and puts him on his keychain and carries him around as a trinket. That's how bad this guy is. He makes yeah. Rambo look like a Bart Simpson tr a trinket that I had when I was 16 on my keychain. But listen at this guy, and it paints a picture of the valiance of this guy. Well, even the caliber of the gentleman that David surrounded himself with, which is important to keep in mind. Yeah. Okay, so Benaiah was the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like humans heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. He killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with a staff rested the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. 
the things that Benaiah, the son of Jehoda, did, and won a name among three mighty men, he was more honored than the thirty. And this is the clincher. So as Carl just read there, there were thirty. David surrounded himself with a handful of select, valiant, honorable people that had one another's back, that stood together against, I don't, I don't want to say evil, but they banned... Actually, it was evil. But could I just point out one thing real quick? Because I just am so fascinated by Benaiah. Yeah, I'm So this lion had been tracking them. They saw the tracks of the lion. I read up on this because this just mystified me. And they were concerned because they knew that the lion was tracking them and was after them and was going to kill them. So they dug a pit. And the reason they dug the pit was they wanted to trap the lion in the pit so that when they trapped the lion, the lion was going to die. The lion could not get out, so they could have just left the lion there. But for some reason, Benaiah looked down into the pit, and instead of the, letting the lion die, Benaiah jumps in the pit. Even though the lion was no more danger, he had no more concern, <laughs> he jumped in the pit and killed the lion himself instead of letting the lion die. When David saw that, he probably said, I have these bad guys, bad, tough guys, but this one here, he's going to be my leader. I I just found it fascinating. No, it is fascinating. But the larger point that I want to bring out, and and there's other places in Scripture, even with David, you can bring that out, but people are trying to divide us. People are giving us this Hobson's choice. You either do this with your children, you either allow the school systems to indoctrinate them with CTR and all this foulness of the this pedophilic, homoerotic garbage that I wouldn't even look at as a man. Yeah. Like, and they're know. also introducing gender confusion in kindergarten. But, but the larger point is that we need to be unified. We need to come, like I said in the last episode, we need to come under that banner of Christ. We need to understand where we're at. And for me, and it's different for everybody, For even for Carl and I, it's different, that line that we won't cross or we won't allow to be crossed, maybe. We have to unify in those lines. I think a lot of it's with the children. I think a lot of it's with the autonomy of our own body and our own decision for our health. Uh, When you are being faced with doing this or losing your livelihood, being able to provide shelter and food and stability for yourself and for your family, that it's called a soft kill, which means it takes a long time to happen. But starvation and then ultimately kicking people out of their house because they can't afford their bills, they can't afford their mortgage, they can't keep the lights on. They're trying to kill people. I'm not saying that is hyperbole or, or I'm not saying that with hubris and I for one will not comply and I want whomever is listening to know no matter the cost I've purposed in my heart I will not go against my conscience and I will not disobey the almighty no matter what it costs because the scripture that keeps coming to my mind is what good does it profit a man to gain the world yet forfeit his soul? And I take that really seriously. I know you do, Bill. I know you and I know also that people need to understand what you just said. And so some people that are listening, they may share this podcast with someone else to listen and whatever. They may not understand how you just said that. But I want to tell people, sometimes it's not what somebody says, but why they said it. And you need to decipher and you need to start to have a spirit of discernment for both sides of that. A, why is the government saying what they are saying? So like for me, I don't just let the issue stop at what somebody says. I always want to know why. 
Like that word, those three letters have got me in so much trouble in my life because I've had the most distinguished doctorate, double doctorate, PhD, intelligent geniuses stand up and tell me something from a podium in a college lecture and anybody have any questions and a lot of the other students would sit there scared and of course I would raise my hand and say why that's a question that infuriates authority I learned that when I was 18 years old in Bible college when you say why people in authority are insulted that you just questioned them I love questions and you know who else loves questions Jesus. Jesus loves when his children ask him why. He's not offended by that. He is the supreme authority over all, the ruler of the universe, the creator of everything. And he welcomes his children to say why. He welcomes that. He loves that communion when his children say why. But how dare you ask the question why to other authority, to human authority? Because immediately you now are labeled as a militant? Excuse me? I'm not trained for war. The rest of my family are veterans, but I went to college. I am not a militant person. So when I say why, if there's a legitimate reason, shouldn't authority want to educate me and teach me and inform me and help me understand so I have no more questions of why? So Bill, when you say what you say, and people may have a problem with that, I would ask those people that have the problem to take a pause and then say, Bill, why did you say that? So I'm asking you, and we didn't talk about this, mm -hmm. but I think that that declaration that you just made, I think if you explain, even for just a 30-second or a minute, why you've drawn that line, I think, A, I know that you're not challenged by me saying why. I think that you will inform our listeners of why, and I just think it will help people understand why you made that declaration. I, yes, I can do that. Because for me... To go against my conscience means I betray everything I hold sacred. And as a man, I won't do that. And everything I hold sacred has been given to me by the Almighty through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. That's right. Which means more to me than any earthly possession, any earthly relationship. So let me just explain this even farther. What you're saying is the act of you capitulating is not standing against tyranny. It is standing for your Savior, Jesus, and what he sacrificed for you. Because within your conscience, you know and feel and believe that if you capitulate or go against what your convictions are telling you, you are devaluing the supreme sacrifice that he made for you. Am I correct in saying that? 120%. Thank you. Now, for people that are listening, that's why Bill said what Bill said. So there's no more question. There's no more confusion. Now, you may disagree with that as a listener, and that's your choice, but the reality is you are entitled to have that choice. This is not a Hobson's choice. This is not a take it or leave it. It's been made into that, but this is not that choice. This is a choice I make willingly and of my own volition. I am not Hobson's choice into it because for me, dishonoring Christ is unacceptable at any cost. I already know people are gonna say, well, this, or, hey, listen, 
that's great. You know, do you, boo? You know, as uh, I hear a lot. But I want to share a quote with you I, I discovered the other day. Confidence is knowing who you are and not changing it a bit because someone else's version of reality is not your reality. And that was from uh, Shannon L. Alden. You know, people can agree or disagree. Oh, I, I'm 100%. I'm, you know what? Well, I know you and I are pretty much in lockstep. Yeah, with, with, that, the, with this issue, but I, um, I'll just be honest with you that I spent this last whole week, every single day, with someone that we are polar opposites on every single political, ethical, moral, and every other all that you could ever think of. And he was treated with nothing but respect for me, love, kindness, and acceptance the fact that he is a human being and the reason is because the characteristics of my heavenly father are such and so I myself do not have any problem being in a room with a hundred people and 99 of those people are fully vaccinated, fully boosterized, fully mask wearing, and every other kind of whatever belief that they have, it will not affect the way that I treat them. And I know that you are the same way. Absolutely. We're on the same side. So I'm not going to change my conviction either. I'm not going to change my line. It's not going to move back or forward. It's etched in stone. There you go. And that's where I am on and, you know, not just this issue, but any. There's not enough time to continue to waver. I think that's well said. And I'll also say this, kind of just to wrap things up, bring it to an end. How you just worded that, I love. People can do what they want to do, because mm-hmm. they're going to do anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I love and respect, and if someone asks, I'll give them my opinion. I'm not talking anything for anyone else other than me. Just like Farmer Johnson, just like Patrick Henry, just like David and Benaniah and all these other people that we've mentioned today, they had their moment in their hour history they occupied where they had to make their decision for themselves what their line etched in stone was. We are now at the threshold of that. Actually, I think we've already passed the Rubicon in a lot of ways. But if you don't realize that we've already crossed the Rubicon or if you don't know what that means for you, if you don't know what your line in the sand, I'm sorry, where it's etched etched in stone etched in stone please i want to encourage you take some time take some prayer take some meditation deliberate within your heart and with your spirit and your mind and find out what that is because i think the hour that we're occupying is calling for that and i want you to be prepared i'll tell you this real quick story and we'll end it but last night my girlfriend and i we had dinner and then needed to get a couple things at the store so i'm checking out and there was a, a girl there and she was buying some cigarettes and whatever she's like do you have this or this or this cigarette and he goes no she goes do you have this or this cigarette he's like no she's like do you have this cigarette he goes we have one of these she's like well i want four packs so she got the one she got a substitute for the other three she's like you know it's so weird is i don't know why things are just not like they are i just don't know why we're running you know i don't know why i have to go to four different places to find cigarettes and you know i want to encourage people now is the time to prepare you just go to any store and you're going to see bare shelves prepare you go into the the spiritual landscape and you see it's barren prepare your conscience shouldn't be up for grabs and the safety and the sanctity of your household shouldn't be either. So I'm going to leave you with that. Carl, closing words? I think that summarizes everything. I think I'm on the same page and that, that was eloquent. So no, oh, I you. have none. I read sometimes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we want to thank you guys for uh, suffering our tomfoolery today. Make sure you subscribe and please share. Please share these links. If you like what we're doing at all, text it, pass it, put it on your social media. Anything we said spoke to your heart, share that with somebody. Once again, we don't need the credit. Whatever thoughts we have, they're not really 
really from us anyway. God gave them to us. So you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Flockcast, Flockcast CLE, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Breaker. Uh, we're on Rumble, YouTube, Flawed Inc. Uh, you can find us on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor, Gab, MeWe, my books, Miss Heart of Man, Repair Manual. Link is below. Please get some copies and give them to everybody. And with that being said, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Flockcast, Flockcast CLE, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Breaker. Uh, we're on Rumble, YouTube, Flawed Inc. Uh, you can find us on the Project Mockingbird social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parlor, Gab, MeWe, my books, Miss Heart of Man, Repair Manual. Link is below. Please get some copies and give them to everybody. And with that being said, 